Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, what's up, what's up, Dolphins, and welcome in to the Thursday, July the 19th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are going to be talking all things interior defensive line with our guest from yesterday, Kevin Dern, author of the defensive preview piece. It's up right now on LockedOnDolphins.com. But before we get to that, I kindly invite each of you guys that have not done so already to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. We are finally back up to a five-star rating after 147 reviews came in there. So thank you guys for doing that. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. And check out LockedOnDolphins.com. Again, the resting place for the defensive preview written by Kevin Dern. And of course, the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts like the Lockdown Heat podcast and Lockdown NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go ahead and get right into part two with Kevin Dern talking defensive tackles on the 2018 Miami Dolphins. That's another Miami Dolphins And we are back with version number two with Kevin Dern here talking about the Miami Dolphins defense. And we're focusing on the defensive tackles today on this Thursday, July the 19th, although we were recording the podcast much earlier. And Kevin, I was kind of hoping you would bring some juice today because I had some friends up in town the other day and we did some drinking and come to find out you did the same thing yesterday. Yeah, so we celebrated my brother's birthday and then uh, two of my buddies were at a bar kind of nearby and... We had been talking about planning our guys' trip for the fall, which was actually we were considering going to Atlanta for the Washington versus Auburn game on Labor Day weekend. Um, but we had a, a few adult beverages, and uh, you know it was just kind of a long day for me yesterday. So uh, woke up, watched the World Cup, and you know just kind of trying to get through to to the end of the weekend. So I always say that I live in Seattle, but I actually live in Central Washington, and I live close to a town called Yakima. And they have this event in the summertime that I wasn't aware of. So I had friends come up from my hometown about an hour away and they came up to hang out with us and get dinner. And it was like a double day, a couple's date, right? And they have this thing on this main avenue in Yakima called Cruising the Ave where they get all these old classic cars, like everything you can imagine, 50s, 60s, 70s, old muscle cars, everything you can imagine is out there driving up and down the road. So the entire street is just packed with people. And we were lucky enough to get a spot. There's this bar called uh, Kawachi Canyon. It's a phenomenal bar restaurant if you're ever in the area for some reason but they have an outdoor bar that overlooks the street and so I'm sitting there drinking my old fashions watching these cars drive by just having a great time so I was putting them down and, and I, I'm feeling the effects today watch the World Cup game this morning but I'm ready to talk some Dolphins football here with you and uh, we're moving on to the defensive tackles here and I don't really know who to start with Kev because I'm not sure who the best player on this group is so I'm going to give you that question who is the best player in this group and what do you expect from him in 2018? Wow, that, that's a tough one to start off this one. Um, I would probably go with Devon Godshaw right off the bat. And, you know, I think he's the, the best player against the run out of the guys that they have. I've I've got four of them making the roster. So Godshaw, Spence, Phillips, and Vincent Taylor. Um, I think Godshaw, you know, had a pretty impressive rookie season for what he was, you know, being kind of a late fifth-round draft pick. Um 
I think he's the best guy in terms of being able to hold double teams, which is going to be huge now that Sue is gone. And I think that's going to kind of let other guys play off of him. Um, you know, I think that's a position they're going to have to address unless Jordan Phillips takes a big jump. He's the guy with, you know, the most potential, in my opinion. Um, and he played really well the last five or six games of, of last season, but you kind of want him to play that way the whole year, and we've just never seen that yet. We'll come back to Godshaw here in a second. Let's talk about Jordan Phillips real quick because you mentioned he's a guy that he has these flashes. He has these stretches of games where he plays really well. And I go back to like, I think it was the 2016 New England game when he wrecked an entire series. It was kind of like Vita Vea in that Washington State game that you and I talked about so much where he blew up three consecutive plays. And I just wonder, is is it conditioning? Is it effort? What is the deal with Jordan Phillips that's preventing him from becoming this guy that and let's let's call it what it is. He, those those flashes of brilliance is elite level play. What's preventing him from being that guy on a consistent snap to snap basis? I'm not sure. My guess is it's probably conditioning. Um, one of the things that I kind of took notice of when Miami updated their their roster on the team website is I remember Barry Jackson wrote an article last year saying that Phillips had dropped his weight down to 323 by the end of the season and on the Dolphins' updated roster with all the rookies and new players and everything, he's listed at 341 after OTAs and minicamp. So he's kind of always fluctuated between that 320 and 340 kind of range. Um, That's my guess. You know, I don't know if it's a stamina thing, if the weight really hinders him that much. Um, But that'd be my guess, you know. And, And I think part of it, too, is just sometimes his technique gets sloppy. You know, he's so tall, it's kind of hard for him to play with leverage consistently. So I think that's another factor there. But, you know, he's in a contract year. Guys usually crank it up, you know, regardless of what their past histories have been because they want to get paid. And I get it. So, you know, hopefully we'll see a good version of Jordan Phillips consistently throughout the year. And I was going to ask you that because this is a guy that has earned $4.3 million in his career. He's 26 years old. This is going to be the one contract he really gets in all likelihood unless something crazy happens in his career. But this is going to be the one contract he gets where he can really set himself up and his family up and you know everyone that he needs to take care of in his life. And so I'm wondering if that's the motivation enough for him. And does he get that deal from the Dolphins or will it be from somebody else? I would answer that by saying if he plays the same way he played last year, I would hope the Dolphins don't give him a contract. Right. I think he's got to play the way he played the final six games or even better all year long. And I'm just not sure I see him doing that. I see him getting close, but I would hope Miami would probably pass on that contract unless he comes out and, you know, posts like 10 sacks or something crazy like that. Well, hopefully he can do some more uh, dropping into coverage and picking off Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> and, and high-hurling offensive players on the way to the end zone. But we have more to talk about the defensive tackles here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. Again, segment number two here with Kevin Dern, talking about every single position on the defense. His defensive preview is up right now on LockdownDolphins.com. We'll talk about the rest of the defensive tackles next on Lockdown Dolphins podcast, at Wingfield NFL, at Lockdown Fins, and at KevinMD4. All right, so we covered Jordan Phillips in that last segment pretty good, and we talked a little bit about Devon Godshaw, and I think that you said he was the top guy on the depth chart in terms of who would probably play the most reps, and I'm with you there in agreement on that. Is Do you see Devon Godshaw as much of a pass rusher at all? You talked about his run defense. Is he going to ever give you anything as a pass rusher from what you saw in his rookie season? I don't think he'll do it consistently. I think he's just kind of one of those 
two down tree stump type run pluggers um, who can get upfield a little bit, you know, which lends itself well to the wide nine. But, you know, I think anything more than, you know, a sack or two is, is probably icing on the cake for him. Um, at least moving forward. I think he's definitely the best run defender that we have though. He plays at that awesome pad level. And it was fun to see all last preseason, the way he just kind of climbed the depth chart and he did it with playing well, every single preseason game. He played well into the regular season. And now here he is looking at 2018 is possibly our best defensive tackle. And one guy that might challenge him for that distinction is another newcomer from Detroit, not the Indomitian Sioux that was in 2015, but Akeem Spence comes over and he's dirt cheap again. Like I said to you on the podcast or before we started recording the podcast, he's making only under 3 million bucks this year. And the entire group is just so, so underwhelmingly paid. We're talking about possibly finding a guy in the draft next year, but that's for another day for another discussion. But Akeem Spence this year was a well-liked guy in the Detroit locker room. The media guys seemed to like him a lot. What have you seen from Akeem Spence and his limited time in the NFL that gives you an idea of what he could be in Miami in this wide nine defense? Yeah, I actually remember him some from his Tampa Bay days. My, right. my brother is actually a Buccaneers fan and he always liked Akeem Spence and thought he was kind of misused in their scheme down in Tampa. Um, obviously, he's not going to fit with what Matt Patricia is doing in Detroit. So I'm kind of excited. And I actually reread the piece that you wrote on him back when we first acquired him uh, via trade back in the spring. And some of the gifs that you cut up of him, he's a lot more agile than I, I kind of thought he was just based on what I remembered. Um, you know, he's one of those real short you know, guys, he's six one. I think he'll he'll play pretty well. And if I if I remember correctly, once Haloti Nada got hurt last year in Detroit, I think they made Spence a starter for like six or seven games, wasn't it? And, and he played pretty well. So hopefully that carries over. And I think it's it's a good thing to have him reunited with uh, we'll call him Coach Chris, uh, the <laughs> D line coach. <laughs> I like it. So um, yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do. And you know, I was kind of we talked about it a little bit in the last episode how. Um, this is something that Charles Harris kind of revealed during one of his uh, media availability sessions was that they had two lines and so far in, in OTAs and mini camps, and obviously this is subject to change, but Spence and Jordan Phillips have been running with, you know, what you would presume to be the starters unit because they are playing with Quinn and Wake. And I think having that guy who can be like Spence, who can kind of get upfield quickly and, and has some, you know, ability to do some things as far as pass rush moves or, or operating on stunts will help, especially when he's playing next to Cameron Wake. So I'm excited to see what he brings. And it wouldn't surprise me one bit if, you know, come week one against the Titans that Godshaw and Spence are, you know, the first two D tackles on the field. I almost expected at this point, you talked about his snap count. I'm looking over his 2017 snap count right here. And the fewest amount of snaps he played in the game, he played all 16, was 27. The highest was 62 in a week 16 game against the Cincinnati Bengals. And he was everywhere in between there. Played 662 total snaps for 60% of the Lions total snaps. And that's kind of what we're looking at here for him. If he can give you that, Devon Godshaw's another 50, 60% guy. Jordan Phillips in that same range. Let's talk about the next guy that needs to step his game up and play a higher volume of snap counts and probably at the same level as his rookie year because Vincent Taylor, for what he was, he blocked a kick. He had some TFLs. He was causing some problems in the backfield, albeit in a very limited role. Do you think he can make a jump this year and kind of solidify this group as a foursome that is actually respectable? I hope so. The one thing that I'm kind of curious about him is, and it kind of go, got swept under the rug is I remember he got hurt in the uh, Kansas city game yep. and it was a knee injury. And, you know, if you've looked at some of the videos and photos from 
minicamp and OTAs, he's still got a brace on one of his knees. So I do kind of wonder how serious that injury was. You know, it's, it's not like he's just sitting off to the side not doing anything. He's out there playing. But um, I think that's something you've got to kind of take into consideration as we head into training camp and preseason. I thought he played pretty well, but if I remember correctly, he played like I think it was exactly 150 snaps um, just because he was kind of the direct backup to Indomitian Sue, who played, you know, something ungodly like 84% of the plays last year. <laughs> um, I thought he played very well against the run, and I think I remember seeing a tweet at one point that he actually had the best, like, run stuff percentage of the t- on the team out of all the defensive tackles last year. So um, he's my pick for the fourth D tackle. I think he edges out Gabe Wright just based on what we saw from Gabe Wright late in the year. Um, but he, he might be one of those guys where he's inactive certain weeks because you face a pass-heavier team and maybe you play William Hayes inside a little more. Um, but I hope Taylor continues to grow, and I think he, Godshaw, and Spence you know, could form a nice trio if you do end up losing Jordan Phillips after this season. Yeah, the the injury he he took on in Kansas City was the was his one special team snap of the day. He left walking the field very gingerly, and I think it was with you. I was texting. I was like, "Man, that did not look good. Like he's walking off like an ACL." But that wasn't the case. I don't even know if I ever heard what the injury was. But obviously, he's back and playing, so it's not that. And you talk about his rep count last year. He he actually had a, a lot of snaps in a few games: twenty nine against the Jets, twenty three against the Saints, twenty four with the Titans, thirty six against the Broncos. But he also had some one snap games, a three snap game, a seven snap game. So he got a definite mixed bag in terms of playing time. But I think you're right. He is the fourth guy that rounds this group out. We'll talk about the rest of the guys on the other side of the podcast here. It's at Winkle NFL at KevinMD4, and at LockedOnFins. Okay, Kevin, so we have four defensive tackles we've made on the roster. You and I are in lockstep once again, as seems to always be the case with this kind of stuff. Akeem Spence, Jordan Phillips, Devon Godshaw, Vincent Taylor. We both have Gabe Wright, Jamius Pittman, and Anthony Moten getting cut, but I imagine we have the same guy coming back to the practice squad. If it's Jamius Pittman, then you're right. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> sounds like we're in lockstep on that one again. So this rotation as a whole, it, I think that's the word we can put on them as a rotation because obviously you mentioned in the last segment, we lose an 85% snap taker in Dominican Sue. I think all four of these guys are going to have to play significant reps. And even with William Hayes kicking inside and, and everything that they can do with the defensive end. So how do you see the, the snap count shaking out in terms of who gets the most, who gets the least, and how effective do you think this group is overall? It's funny that that was your first question after the break because what you said right before the break about Vincent Taylor's snap count games, pretty much all of those high snap count games were against teams that ran the ball a lot. They so are, yeah, exactly. It, it just kind of hit me all of a sudden. But um, I think you're probably looking at, you know, Godshaw and, and Spence are probably going to be somewhere between like 50 and 65% of the snaps. I think Phillips is probably, you know, 35 to 50, and I think Taylor – and probably William Hayes probably eat up the rest of that that snap count. Um, so that's my take on on how they split it. And like I said before, it might be one of those things where, you know, if we're playing New England or a team that's going to throw the ball 40 or 50 times against us, maybe you don't have Vincent Taylor active that week. and Maybe you add another D-end or an extra DB or something like that to the to the game day roster. In which case we have plenty to go to. And we're going to get to those guys on a future podcast here in a couple of days. But wrapping up the defensive line here, I think this group as a whole, I think they're improved just from what the defensive ends could bring and how much they can give you flexibility both inside and outside. But, at, you know, 
the run defense is where I'm really worried, Kevin, because this defense, these guys are going to have to eat up blocks and free up those linebackers with the wide alignment. Is the run defense going to be able to find its way this year opposed to what it was in the last couple seasons? Yeah, I think that'll be interesting to see. Um, I think the pass rush will be improved just because of, you know, Coach Chris and the addition of Robert Quinn. Um, obviously, I think the D-tackle run defense thing takes a big hit with Sue, but you're kind of replacing him in the in the aggregate to kind of borrow a phrase from, you know, the Moneyball movie. Having Raquan McMillan back, you know, having Minga Fitzpatrick frees you up to have, you know, T.J. McDonald play as, you know, as a dollar linebacker in some packages or even you can use Minka Fitzpatrick in the slot and some big nickel. So, and it, and I think you and, and Chris Kaufman had both talked about it. Really one of the, the main areas where Miami was weak against the run was when they went into sub packages, um, not necessarily when they were in a, a true 4-3 alignment. So I think having, you know, McMillan back, I think if they can get anything out of Jerome Baker, you know, as far as run defense goes, that'll help play it well. Um I think the run defense will probably stay about the same just because they have better play at linebacker and more options at DB, but losing Sue kind of negates that in my opinion. Yeah. His loss is definitely going to be felt. And that's one that I've talked about on every podcast I've done this off season is that Indomitian Sue is the real loss on this team. It's not Jarvis Landry. It's not Mike Pouncey. It's been Indomitian Sue. So it'll be interesting to see how they play, how they perform and free up the linebackers. And we're going to do the linebackers on the podcast tomorrow for you guys. Uh, anything else for this one, Kev? I think we can go ahead and sign off. Yeah, let's finish this one up. So this is it for Defensive Tackles. We'll be back tomorrow with linebackers. And this episode of the podcast is sponsored by Core Essentials. That's K-O-R-E. Core Essentials makes the best belt you'll ever own. What makes the Core Track Belt so awesome? There are no belt holes. That's right. Instead, their belt uses a hidden track in the back of the belt with over 40 size points to choose from. Ever wonder why your pants slip and turn that waistline into a gut? Every day as you work, walk, eat, and play, your waist size fluctuates in and out just a little bit at a time here and there. The core track belt adjusts to match your waist exactly. Each point on the core track belt is just a quarter inch apart. That simple, small innovation means you get a precise, steady, and comfortable fit every time you put it on. Removing or adjusting your track belt is simple. Just pinch the small tab, small tab, small tab, tab under, or going to the bathroom to make an adjustment. Core's patented design also makes it easy to remove the buckle or swap styles. Core track belt ships one size to fit every waist from 24 to 44 inches with an extra large belt that goes all the way up to 54 inches. You adjust the size yourself using their easy guide. Core offers a full line of fashion belts including classic double-stitched with full grain leather and smooth belts with no stitching, as well as gun belts for concealed carry. They also offer a stylish assortment of buckle faces made using solid stainless steel or high-grade zinc alloys. Core's men's belts carry a 30-day money-back guarantee and a full one-year warranty against all defects, unusual wear, or breakage, so feel confident when you shop and know that you're covered. But trust me, you're going to love it and want to get rid of all your other belts, as I have done in my personal closet. Visit coreessentials.com to learn more and to get your own core track belt to see firsthand why it's the best belt you'll ever own. Seriously, once you go core track, you'll never go back. And we've got a special offer just for our listeners. Save 10% off your order when you use our code LOCKEDON at checkout. That's code LOCKEDON at checkout to save 10%. That's core with a K, K-O-R-E, coreessentials.com. And use the code LOCKEDON to save 10% off your order today. 
And that brings us to the end of the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow talking about the linebackers. You guys, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review once you are there. Follow all the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. And keep up to date on our daily Dolphins blog at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We're back tomorrow for another edition of Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.